This is For the Neighborhoods and Nations, a podcast of the Church of the United Brethren in Christ. My name is Brian Biedenbach, and I'm here with Bishop Todd Fetters. Hey, Brian. This first season of the podcast, we've been really diving deep into a series of conversations focused on the eight core values that serve to define and unite the United Brethren Churches around the world. And in today's conversation, we're discussing our third core value, that we seek the lost. Brian, I'm excited about this conversation today because this really gets to the heart of what it means to be historically united brethren. There has just always been a passion for lost people to be found. Yeah, for sure. And I think this is even, we'll talk about this later in the episode, even one of the things that brought you and I together around national conference That's right. and some things like that. So we'll talk, we'll talk more about that. But as I think, Todd, about this value of seeking the lost. I, I go to two particular passages in my mind. Okay. The one in Luke uh, 19, where he's having this interaction with Zacchaeus, and he calls Zacchaeus down, and then he goes to Zacchaeus's house, um, and he says, today salvation's come to this house. And he, then he follows it up in verse 10, and he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost, Yeah. those who are lost. And yep. then so that's kind of marching orders, mm -hmm. I think. This is what he did. This is what we're supposed to do. But Paul follows that up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as he's writing to folks and talks about this ministry of reconciliation that we're called to. And he says in verse 20 that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, yeah. uh, as if he were making his appeal through us, be reconciled to God. So that's where my mind goes. And I thought we'd start our conversation there a little okay. bit. Um, and I'll throw it to you to kind of process through that. Well, as you, as you were using the passage out of Luke, referring to um, the conversation between Jesus and, and Zacchaeus, you know, what struck me is that statement, today salvation has come to your house. Yeah. And when I think of the gospel in that regard, I, th I think of salvation has come to your house today. Well, mm. what does that mean? And I think it's very similar to Luke chapter four, where Jesus rolls up, unrolls the scroll in the synagogue, rolls mm. it back up after reading the messianic prophecy of Isaiah and yeah. says, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Well, what Jesus is saying, it seems to me, to Zacchaeus is, here I am. Yeah. It's, it's not content. It's a character. Mm -hmm. it's, right. it's, not, it's not information. It's an individual. Mm. And so when I think of the gospel, when I think of uh, our salvation, it's it's all wrapped up in Christ. And and so when he says, I've come to seek and save the lost, you're right, marching orders. Mm -hmm. uh, how, do we, how do we live that out? We live that out knowing that we're ambassadors of Jesus. And, mm -hmm. and that passage from Paul is, is incredibly important because be, even being an ambassador means we've got responsibilities right. in two different kingdoms. Right. And we're going to look different probably on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> right on. Um, we're going to, hopefully, the longer we live with Christ, we take on his character mm -hmm. with the Holy Spirit who's living inside of us, transforming us, making us all the embodiment of the fruit of the Spirit. Right. And other things in Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I, I love that passage. The reason I love that passage is because of what you just said. We are representatives of Christ in another kingdom, yeah, uh, we're we're in we're living. We got our feet in both worlds, right? Uh, and whether we like like it or not, if we're following Jesus, we are representing Him, and so we've got to be. There's an intentionality about that. Yes, and again, that takes me back to the conversation with Zacchaeus and his household, like that intentionality that Jesus had to bring Himself salvation, the character 
we have that same responsibility as ambassadors representing him to to take into the world. So that's why I love this core value. So right? you, you you and and maybe just dovetail on that. You talk about intentionality, mm. yeah, but born out of responsibility, right? This has been done for us, and the Lord has invested Himself in right. us. John fourteen twenty three that if you love me, you will obey me, and my Father and I will come and live in your heart. Mm. Clear reference to the Holy Spirit taking up residence in our heart for the purposes of forming Christ, exalting Christ. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I wanted to pick up on one of the... Because we shared in other podcasts where... Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about the summary statement. So We Seek the Lost is a summary statement, but there's more to it. Uh, and I want to get into a couple things here. The first one is that we believe in a radical conversion that results in a transformed life. Again, this, this isn't about fire insurance. It's about a transformed life. And you mentioned in a previous conversation the uniqueness of this. And even in this episode earlier, you said, this is who we are as UBs. Like, mm-hmm. this is in our DNA. And it comes from, I think, in a previous conversation, you mentioned that Bame and Otterbein were really concerned about uh, and passionate about calling people back to a relationship with Jesus, which really stood against, my understanding, stood against the... Um, kind of the high church religiosity it's about duty it's about this in the in their day and age well it's about it's about function is mm. what they the struggle right or or the form you know the form of believing all the right things attending all the right places yeah. doing all the right stuff and and that's fine we have that in our faith we the scriptures even give us you know commandments to follow and and uh um, you know, think of the Beatitudes, you yeah. know, not just the commandment to follow, but the heart issue yeah. that needs to be resolved so that you don't, you know, disobey a commandment. So, so with all of that being said, yeah, there was this sense of, okay, if, and this is the way I, I sort of think in terms of what was going on then, is there was this, this misplaced priority that you're, that your assurance was tied up in your behavior mm. or your assurance was tied up in your attendance. And and I think with Otterbein and Bame and some others of that time, no, it's it's a call to come back to Jesus. It's a call to an experiential relationship with him. Mm. And in that relationship with him, where his Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart, now, now you are learning the mind of Jesus. Now mm. you are... Um, your heart is strangely warm, you know, yeah. uh, coming off of a, a Wesleyan line. But to me, it's it's it it was much more about for them this this relationship with Christ that brought them into relationship with each other. That also impassioned a host of preachers that mm. would come out of that union and be part of a movement that our core value says a movement of people with a passion to reach lost people. Yeah. And and much of that in our early days was tied to uh, preaching. Okay, and that would have been a form of that day, and and it was effective in yeah. that day. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't stop there, right? The that salvation moment, like I met Jesus, I prayed that pr- whatever. It's it's not about that piece of it. So I think historically, at least in my experience, and we've had some other conversations, we separate 
evangelism and discipleship a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the reasons I love talking about this particular core value and digging into even even unpacking the other paragraphs that, that goes with it is one of the statements that describes this. It says, we then lead them further down the road of discipleship. Yeah. And so this seeking the lost is tied to discipleship, um, and you can't separate the two. And so I wanted to... I want to talk about that for a little bit, because yeah. you have, I know discipleship is really, you're really passionate about what that is and what that means. So I want to toss it to you to kind of share a little bit more about yeah. how do you define discipleship? Well, as we went into our national conference in 2021, you might remember our theme was make disciples. Right. And in our heart, we believe and in our mind that Christ has called us to to multiply disciples, not mm-hmm. just make a disciple, but to make a disciple who makes a disciple who makes a disciple, mm-hmm. and it has that multiplying effect. Now, the question becomes, um, what is a disciple? How do you know you're hitting that? And um, I've seen lots of definitions over the years, um, and I felt compelled to just say, okay, what does it look like for us? Right. And so our team just sat down, we looked at it, and we knew that Jesus was a key component. I mean, he's the North Star. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's the North Star of of our definition. And so the definition that we we really became impassioned about was tied to this very fact of the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. Mm-hmm. That's we call it the Great Commission, or some might call it the Great Mandate. Uh, I like to think of it as the divine assignment yeah. as well. This is the assignment that Jesus has had given, and it's still in effect today. And we are to make disciples. And so the definition we gave uh, was a disciple is one who learns and lives the way of Jesus. Mm. So there it is. Jesus is our North Star. Uh, he's the focal point of our learning and our living. And when I think of those two components, learning and living, there's where I see evangelism and equipping. Those are two parts of Mm. this whole process of disciple-making that is fulfilling a divine assignment. We have a responsibility to help individuals learn who Jesus is, what Jesus stands for, uh, what Jesus has done for them, what Jesus will be doing, and what Jesus is doing. Uh, and so helping people learn who Jesus is. And then there's the equipping part of helping individuals. And and to me, that's taking it further, right? That's what the core value says. We right. don't stop at just this assurance of salvation. We we continue understanding we are being formed into the image of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite definitions of uh, spiritual formation, which is this is an element of that, mm-hmm comes from a book called Invitation to Journey by J. Robert Mulholland, who defines spiritual formation as uh, being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. And the reason I like that definition is that it, it says that a disciple is not just formed to the image of Christ for their own self improvement, right? but they are being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others, so that it should have a positive impact on others. And I think that's a key, Brian, and feel free to push back, but I think that's a key to the disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, that there's something attractive, something compelling, something real, something genuine and authentic about a person who has has surrendered, has met Jesus, surrendered to Jesus, and is being transformed by his spirit. From the inside out. Yeah, I was actually going to say the same thing as I heard you sharing that. I was going to say, like, I feel like 
if it's not tied to for the sake of someone else, there's no multiplication in that. If it's just about me, if it's conforming myself to the image of Christ, great. But you get to a point where, and I know following Jesus and conforming to the image of Jesus is different than, you know, maybe worldly success or whatever. But I think about that person that has achieved some level of it's about me and Mm -hmm. I've got to this status, you know, let's say that. And you get there and you realize there's so much more. Like this, this isn't filling. And I wonder even if we get to a point where if I'm conformed to the image of Christ and it's just about me, it's not the same level of empty, but I think if I'm conformed to the image of Christ, it's always about someone else. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, again, he came to seek and save that which was lost. Like right. it, if I'm really conformed to the image of Christ, I don't know if that all makes sense in my head. I'm kind of wrestling with this, but if we are conformed truly to the image of Christ, it's got to be about others. It can't be about us. It's right. about emptying ourselves, right? Following Jesus is about dying to self and taking up our cross uh, and following him for the sake of others. I don't think you can separate the no. two. So, so Brian, absolutely, with all that was said there regarding spiritual formation and the divine assignment, I don't want our definition of discipleship to get lost. It is to help individuals learn and live the way of Jesus. So evangelism and equipping are two components in the disciple-making process. Right. And so how do we do that? Yeah. How do we, how do we walk that road? You, I know you have a couple words that you, yeah. you uh, that, that kind of inform this and define this a little bit. Well, for me, I think it comes down to, you know, I've, I've never really been an either-or kind of person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, tie, I try to look at the both and. And so when I think about how discipleship is best accomplished, or what are the tools that are important? Maybe that's a better yeah, way to say. What are the tools that are most important in disciple making? I think of uh, scripture. It's curricular mm-hmm. and it's relational. Okay. So, in a sense, yeah, there, there's a curriculum component to this. There is the the learning, right? I mean, right. That, there's the learning component, um, and and then you come to where where is our curriculum? And when I think about our curriculum, I think about, well, if Jesus is the North Star, if he is the, the model, the example of where to learn and live the way of Jesus, Scripture becomes so critical. Right. Um, and I'm thinking in terms of the Colossians passage where it's very clear Paul says that in that supremacy passage of mm. Colossians 1, that Jesus is the visible form of the invisible God. And so learning who Jesus is, is reading the Gospels and, and watching him, mm. watching how he reacts, how he relates, what makes him happy, what causes him to be angry, what causes him uh, to express angst. I'm thinking mm. of the Garden of Gethsemane yeah. before uh, he gave his life, you know, all of those things that, okay, well, I, I want to know who Jesus is. And and so um, I think that's the, the scriptures are incredibly important for helping us know who Jesus, but it's also incredibly important for us to understand the doctrines that are important uh, to knowing who Jesus is as right. fully human and fully divine. Right. Knowing who the Holy Spirit is and, and how the Holy Spirit works inside of us. Um, and uh, exalting Christ in us. So to me, the Bible is a critical 
uh, piece sure. to understanding what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, I also think there's the relational component of that, of having individuals like Brian Biedenbach or you know other people that might be in my orbit that are again not perfect, right? But they're but they're their heart is tilted toward Jesus. It's been changed by him. Mm -hmm. And they're desperately uh, trying to live out their faith in such a way where abiding with Christ is beneficial, not just to them, not just to their families, not just to their place of work, but for for people who who come into contact with them. So when I think of, of then, you know, this is probably three ways in which I, I, tie in all of that. Sure. One is I and I'm taking off of uh Daniel Henderson and his prayer model when I say it scripture fed. Okay. Disciple disciple making and discipleship is scripture fed. Mm. I want to be consistent and true to the scriptures of who they say Jesus is. Right. Right? Otherwise we're creating some other being. Mm-hmm. Um and that's not what the Holy Spirit's doing. Second, it needs to be spirit led. You know, the spirit inside of us is forming Jesus in us, mm-hmm. um, and I talk about uh, with people the um, the fruit of the spirit yeah. of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and and people can go on with that. Yeah, these are the evidences of a life that has been transformed by right. Jesus from the inside out. And then the third the third component to that I think is that we're saint accompanied. Okay, so that's my alliteration, right? Scripture okay. fed, spirit led, and saint accompanied. We cannot do this in a vacuum, all by ourselves. Mm. Uh, the Lord's not asking us to, and the Lord's not expecting us to. Right. He has given us lots of one anotherings uh, in Scripture for us to uh, obey, and and they are all our outgrowth or outflow of the one command to love one another, just as I have loved you, right? And of John chapter thirteen. So I I would want people to know that in this journey of helping to make disciples who are learning and living the way of Jesus, it is both curricular and relational. Mm-hmm. The Lord has spoken, and he's going to speak also through you in the lives of other people, and it has to be scripture-fed, spirit-led, and uh, saint-accompanied. Yeah. Yeah, I you know I hear you talk about that, and um, I think it's right on. I, I love the curricular and the relational side of the aspects of discipleship. Part of me, though, Todd, when I hear scripture fed, spirit led, saint, I want another word that rhymes with fed and led, <laughs> but accompanied, absolutely, one hundred percent. My hunch is somebody will listen to this and they'll they'll type in, "Here's your word." Yeah, there it is, and uh, that's okay. <laughs> we'll appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, and I think again that coming back full circle, I think that comes back to that passage in Second Corinthians that we talked about that we can't do this alone. It's it's saying accompanied. It's we are ambassadors, but we are ambassadors together, like yeah. as a as a body, as a church. As followers of Jesus, we represent him in this world and are called to live out his mission. I'm glad you said well. that because I don't want to ever create the image that it's just Christ and one person out right. there trying to do it. Right. Uh, we need each other, and we need each other desperately. 100%. Um, for for all sorts of reasons for to to you know for faithfulness. I haven't even gone into this, but I, <laughs> I think I think when we are out helping to fulfill the divine assignment. Uh, of helping individuals learn and live the way of Jesus. 
and we're ambassadors, it has it does have a strong impact on how we live our lives. Mm-hmm. It, I think it has a strong Im, uh, impression on. Am I presenting Jesus correctly? Mm-hmm. Not just as I know him, but in my life. And Brian, when I think of uh, uh, living out, we seek the lost in this definition that we've given it with uh, the divine assignment of making disciples, learning and living the way of Jesus. We have this responsibility as ambassadors mm-hmm. um, who are representing a king from another kingdom. Mm-hmm. And yet there's scripture that's called us to be connected to that king. Right. My mind goes, as I think about a call to action or or something that maybe our listeners could grab onto, yeah. I, it takes me back to National Conference two years ago where we were blessed to, to hear you and Roger Vazo talk and teach about three-story living, mm-hmm. which, which a critical piece of that is is living out our lives in such a way that it's coming from the overflow of our abiding with Jesus. Right. So um, I was thrilled to have you come and be able to present that. I'd, I'd love you to just hit some highlights of that that might dovetail nicely with this core value of we seek the lost. Yeah, I, that was an exciting time for me. I, I enjoyed uh, three-story three living and three-story, the whole concept really changed my perspective on evangelism and discipleship and brought it together as under one umbrella. Like, this is what we're, we're called to do. So um, really what we talked about there was, you know, this was developed by Youth for Christ and mm-hmm. some others years ago. Um, and so we just kind of unpacked it uh, with some language that made sense uh, for RUB mm-hmm. church and congregations. Uh, and it's really three stories. is my story. It's God's story and someone else's story and how these three stories are linked. These are our testimonies, Right. And, you know, it it starts with my abiding relationship with Jesus. And as you mentioned, the more I abide in Jesus, the more I'm going to be like Jesus and the more other people are going to see Jesus in me. But that other person's story, the thing that got me was I was asked one time at a uh, a conference, a small group I was sitting in, as we talked through three story and we talked about this, they asked, you know, who are the lost people that Mm. you're connected with? And I... That stung. That really stung for me because I went, you know, I work at a church. I do ministry all the time, you know, air quotes. (laughs) I'm doing ministry all the time, but I'm with people who are following Jesus all the time, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I had to look at myself and go, who am I intentionally seeking? Like, if we are to seek the lost, who am I intentionally seeking and in relationship with? Mm -hmm. And so, who is seeing this abiding, this overflow of my abiding relationship with Jesus. And so that's why Three Story really changed my perspective on this evangelism and discipleship uh, concept that, you know, all together. Um, So we talk about, you know, as we abide in Jesus Mm -hmm. and we we, we follow the, we we pay attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So scripture fed, spirit led, that the spirit will reveal opportunities if we're intentional in relationship with other people, we sit down and we get to know their story. We talk to them. You know, a friend of mine uh, is is doing another podcast called Everyday Ordinary, and he talked about, as I was going listening to his, he says, you know, I contend that we don't really know somebody until you get behind their front door and you sit down with them. And so mm-hmm. I could start naming lost people in my life, but did I really know them? Did I really have a relationship with them? And so abiding in Jesus, following the the Holy Spirit, you know, you know, pro- 
being courageous in stepping in and, and faithful to what the Spirit is calling me to do mm-hmm. as I abide in Jesus, my eyes started opening to lost people uh, in my life and in my world, and it in, impacted the way I lived, this mm-hmm. responsibility and my faithfulness to Jesus in the midst of that. And and so that's what three-story living is about, is about it, it's abiding in Jesus and paying attention to the, the relationships that we have and what's Jesus inviting us into? What's the Holy Spirit inviting mm-hmm. us into in the midst of those relationships? And I'll tell you, Todd, it changed my relationships. Mm-hmm. It really did. And it's one reason that, it's not the full reason, but it's one reason I took a chance in stepping outside of you know, paid full-time yeah. ministry into what I'm doing now, which is podcasting and podcast production, because I was seeing people differently. And I saw this as an opportunity to step into another ministry. Mm-hmm. And my conversations now with lost people turn to Jesus so much faster That's good. than they ever did before when I was full-time in ministry. And I take the blame for that, right? Uh, but this three-story living has changed my perspective. So that's a little bit of the highlights in my experience with it. I could go on and talk about it, but I will, will say the next year... Uh, we came to the pastor and spouses conference yeah, to share, and we really focused on not just abiding in Jesus, but this communal kind of abiding together. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes back to your saint accompanied, is that there, there's a community. If we're not doing this together, mm-hmm. we're out there on our own, we get burned out, we, we're spinning our wheels, we're not seeing other things that are happening that we could be stepping into, yeah. that other people could be stepping into. So there's this abiding together piece that I think is really key that probably needs to be unpacked a little bit more even. Brian, uh, just for sake of summary of that, the three stories are what? My story, Mm -hmm. God's story, and someone else's story. And someone else's story. Good. And I think if people were to just uh, think in terms of that, that'd be a nice little assignment. Yeah. so to speak, for, for individuals to think through. I, I was thinking of other ways, and you know, somebody might be able to uh, take what we're talking about here today and do a little bit of self-assessment. One of the encouraging things, I would, and it ties to my story, Yeah, and that is, when was the last time that we really looked at our story? Mm. When was the last time that we reflected on the, the difference yeah. that Jesus has made in our life from what we were to what we are right. now? And, and so that... You know, when I was a pastor, I used to, that was one of my invitations. I would have people reflect upon, you know, the the old classic hymn, Amazing Grace, that says, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see, right? So there's a contrast. I once was this, but now I'm this. And, and, and I think it's mm-hmm. helpful for us to look at a lost world in light of our former lostness. Right. And so... I once was, and they, and I'd encourage a, a listener to fill in that blank. Right. I once was, you know, whatever, 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 you know, deficit, whatever sin, whatever uh, most typified, and and you would look and say, I was once that, but because of Jesus, I'm now the opposite of that. Yeah. And I think reflect on that. And and what it does is it builds up the gratitude. Mm-hmm. And it builds up the the gratitude. And, and one of the things my, my dad used to always say is, if he did it before, he can do it again. If he did it for me, he can do it for them. And that's what I would want people to grab from this is, he did it for you. He can do it for others. Mm-hmm. And and whatever we think about our culture today, which I happen to think it's much more post, it's post-Christian. Mm-hmm. 
I take comfort in the fact that when I read through the Bible, when I read through the New Testament of Paul and Peter, they were faithful with the gospel, and the gospel was breaking through in the face of all sorts of godlessness and all sorts of of uh, secularism mm-hmm. and all sorts of violence and threats and marginalization. And our mission is to be ambassadors of a king from another kingdom. And if he did it before, he can do it again. I don't think there's any anything else to say, Todd. I think that sums it up very well. Um, Thanks for letting my preacher come through. Oh, man, I love it. I love when your preacher comes through. So uh, this has been a fun conversation talking about seeking the lost. I hope it's been beneficial. And we'd love to hear your thoughts too. So especially if you have another word for that accompanying, (laughs) let us know. But we'd also love to hear your thoughts on uh, just what it means to seek the lost and, you know, our definition of discipleship that we talked about. So we'd love to hear from you next week. We're going to be talking about our next core value, which is that we demonstrate social concern. Looking forward to that conversation with you, Todd. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian.